Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other players at the table. I'm one of your hosts, Dungeon Master Chris. And I'm Dungeon Master Mitch. And we are joined by one of our former players who unfortunately hasn't been able to play with us in a while, Jared. Say hi, Jared. Hi, I'm Flawful Jared. Flawful Jared, that's right. Flawful Jared. So good to have you back, buddy. Thanks. You ready to uh, talk with us today? I am. All right. And we are going to be talking about today NPCs, how to make them memorable, how to incorporate them into your game, and how just to use this, this thing in Dungeons & Dragons that is a lot of people don't really understand how to do it and do it well. And so we're going to bring you some of some of our uh, quote-unquote expertise, some of our stories about some of the NPCs we've used, and so on and so forth, all pertaining to NPCs today. So, before we get started, we're going to jump into shout-outs. So, Mitch, do you want to do the first one? Of course. Uh, our first shout-out is entitled, By Far the Best D&D Podcast Available. And, of course, it is how many stars? Five. Five. That's right. Uh, and it's by Spark Aaron Sparky Arix. What Sparky tells us is he says, I'm an odd case when it comes to podcasts. I just want to start off by saying that the first time I read this, I almost teared up. So he says, <laughs> I'm an odd case when it comes to podcasts because I love them, but I also love multitasking. The problem is, when I'm multitasking, I tend to miss a lot of the podcast. DM's block has cured me of that. I find it sufficiently entertaining to just sit and listen to this amazing show without doing anything else at the same time. It offers a great blend of entertainment, information, and creative fuel. I'd recommend to any DM or player looking to get a D&D &D fix between sessions. Thank you so much, Sparky. That is an awesome, awesome, I know. awesome review. I, when he first said, I'm an odd case when it comes to podcasts, I was like, wait a minute, where is this going to go? How is this going to start out? And then I read, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I have another one, it's uh, Masters of Their Craft by Geeky DM. It's another five-star review, and he says, this podcast is by far the most inspiring and informative tool for any dungeon master, no matter which edition is being run. These two experiences, experienced DMs run you through different scenarios and situations that one might face while sitting at the head of the table. This is all while giving the listener an imaginative tale of their own campaigns and raising the bar every episode. That's what we try to do. We try to make every episode better than the other one. Yep. And so, let's get into the regular part of our episode. We'll start with the story. Story time. The time during the episode where we talk about what happened last week during our campaigns, our favorite moments, what we learned about ourselves, and what we learned about each other. Please join us now as we enjoy story time. All right, so for story time this week, Fluffle Jared is joining us, and Fluffle Jared is, of course, the creator of Jofiel, the Versifier. We've kind of talked about Jofiel. We definitely have talked about Jofiel before on our podcast, but we thought we would share a Jofiel-specific story for story time. Jared, for anybody who's, maybe this is their first episode just tuning in, just give us a quick uh, idea of this character that you played in one of my campaigns, Jofiel. Jofiel was a Asimar, which is basically like a a human-like descendant of a good outsider, so like an angelic beating. And Jophiel was a pacifist, healer cleric, who was really into literature, uh, writing stories and poetry, and, and even painting and dabbling in the arts. Uh, and he worshipped the goddess Lear, which I sort of updated a little bit with uh, D.M. Mitch's help uh, to be really a goddess of literature and painting. 
And so Joe Fuel, as a pacifist, I remember this one time we were in the city of Orenthal, right? Yeah. Orenthal. And Orenthal has a, had a couple temples. And one of the temples was a temple to an evil god, uh, Cord, of Not course. Evil, uh, evil in, in Jophiel's But mind. in Jophiel's eyes, who was a total pacifist and thought that was the true way of life, was pacifism and peace. Cord uh, was a was a somewhat evil the god of brawling and athletics. Had a, it, and basically, his temple was a a small coliseum that the clerics there practiced for their battles in the large city's coliseum. So, and Jophiel was not obviously was pacifist, was not into fighting, especially for like an entertainment point of view. Like it's not something to be taken lightly. And so, so Jophiel one day with his chaotic good alignment decided to do something about this. Yeah, to jo- make a stand. Jophiel the pacifist somehow in his <laughs> mind thought that this would fit his uh, ideology of sorts. And somehow I don't think it does. But I did it anyway. So <laughs> one day I decided that uh, this temple was an abomination uh, and it needed to be destroyed. Uh, and the only way that I could really think to destroy this temple was to try burning it down. So I, good idea. I very, <laughs> Joe Field very carefully made sure nobody was in the temple. He didn't want anybody to get hurt. But he decided it was time to destroy this temple and let them know that their uh, ways are sinful. Joe Field had this moment in this during this time that he just became kind of a, a religious extremist, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the good news is that I think a little bit of that was broken by just being uh, reformed in prison after being <laughs> caught for burning down... Now you did. To burn down you did make sure nobody would get hurt, right. and like that nobody would be there and such. It was at night and everything. But yeah, you got captured by the guards pretty quick. I remember you did try to fly away. How did they catch you? Do you remember? Uh, did I have wings at that point? I think maybe. I think you did. Maybe you didn't. But you, irregardless, they. They got you. They captured yeah. you. You went to you went to prison. I don't. Yeah, and I don't think I was too interested in avoiding arrest. I didn't want anybody to get hurt trying to capture me. Mm-hmm. So once once I knew you I could get away with it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I was caught and I was taken to prison. And uh, while in prison, Joe Field, who's very devout, was in a time of prayer and and really just praying for the goddess Lear to help him. And I'm not sure if anybody else in the group, like characters, knew he was in prison. I don't remember. I, I don't, you, you did not tell anybody where you were. Yeah. They mm-hmm. did get a letter to their estate saying that, you know, this, uh, your your friend, Joe Field, verse fire, has been imprisoned for... Arson. For arson. <laughs> uh, against a temple. Um, and so they had no idea. I think we might have even, like, done this, like, without other people watching. I'm not sure because I remember they got their letter, the letter and their characters were like, what? <laughs> what is this talking about? Because you kind of snuck up in the middle of the night. Right. So, yeah, you were, you were in prison without anybody knowing that you were there. So I, I was praying fervently to the goddess Lear just to help me out and, and to be with me. And uh, Lear blessed me and actually came down into this, this plane and uh, used her divine powers. And she had this magic paintbrush, mm-hmm. which was perfect. Uh, and she used this magic paintbrush and just out of Lear was radiating this uh, what just looked like uh, colors paint. were just coming all over this grimy prison cell. And so wherever she walked, there were just colors coming out and uh, painting the prison walls of multicolors. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Lear basically 
on her way to come visit me, stopped in the 70s, did some acid, <laughs> and then continued the trip. And so this paint is radiating, and uh, she transformed I think of Super me. Mario Sunshine when you talk about paint <laughs> yeah, going everywhere. That's almost what it looked like. <laughs> uh, and so Lear does this, and she uses this magic to transform me and make me look like an orc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all my clothes, like my robe that I wore was painted all had all that colors. splattered paint all over you and paint all over it and so eventually Jophie was able to get out of prison to she, she used her ma- she used her powers to teleport you outside okay. and so she changed your race so that you wouldn't be recognized right and so you've got this this big orc walking around in this technicolor dream robe uh, <laughs> and eventually I don't remember how I changed back did she I, th- I think you kind of redeemed yourself through her eyes like it was kind of like a and the and you redeemed yourself through the eyes of the city because you saved you saved the king basically. Right. And so you they pleaded for the rest of your group pleaded. Can you guys drop the charges? He pr- he promises never to do something <laughs> like this again. But I think one of my favorite things about this whole story is what part you weren't there for because you while you were heading back to the estate, your friends are heading to the prison to be like, all right, I guess we got to bail Joe Feel out, and they get there. And they, they say, oh, we're here for Jophiel, and they're met with, like, pissed-off guards. And the pissed-off guards <clears> bring him in the back, and they're like, where is he? And they're pointing to, like, this cell that has colors of paint everywhere. <laughs> and there's guards, like, trying to scrub it off, and they're, like, complaining, it won't come off! Like, <laughs> uh, So, yeah, that's that's the special cell from now on, I guess. Yeah. An old cell, a prison, and... And to this day, Joe feels still sporting that Technicolor robe. There you so. go. <laughs> I feel like they should make a, uh, like they have Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yeah. They should make like Joe feel the orc in the Technicolor Dreamcoat <laughs> musical with an Very different doll. story. <laughs> what would be some of the songs of that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, well, maybe we'll come up with some of those for the ne- for our next episode or something. <laughs> All right, well, that's story time. Let's head to the meet. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Carving that! Fist the mouthful! No! <laughs> Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! Okay, so for the meat today, we are going to be talking about NPCs and how to make them memorable for your players. Uh, NPCs are, if you don't know, non-playable characters. So basically, anybody in your world that you create or that you're playing in that isn't your player's characters, your PCs. And so when we talk about NPCs, basically, you could run a night where you you control one NPC, and you could run a night where you control... 100 NPC, depending on... Depending, uh, yeah, depending on where they go. If yep. they run into a blacksmith shop or an inn or a bakery yeah. or, or just any random person on the street. So that being said, there are absolutely going to be NPCs that you roleplay as a DM that are going to be absolutely not important, not essential, and that are going to be forgotten. It's going to happen. You're going to have your players go to a shop that they'll never go to again. And you roleplay that one shopkeeper and that person is never thought of again, never heard of again. And that's that's the way it is. That's the way it's Even going if you to want be. them to be heard of again. Yeah. I did that with Caleb one <laughs> that's, time. Do you that's remember? definitely true, yeah. Yeah, I did, we did this with Caleb and he gave this guy like a really expensive potion and stuff <laughs> like that. 
And I was hoping that, like, Caleb would come back or want to go back and see this guy. And he never, yeah. ever talked about this guy ever again. And that's a great point because that is kind of what we're trying to get to tonight. Because as a DM, there are absolutely going to be NPCs that you're going to build into your story. And you're going to want your characters, to, your players, to latch onto them and be interested in them. And to remember them down the line when you're done with this campaign and just be able to look back and be like that guy was really cool i like that guy he was interesting and sometimes that's going to happen and it's great and sometimes it won't but basically what we're going to do tonight is we're going to try and give advice on how to make those npcs that you do want memorable memorable and to maybe even make npcs that you didn't even think were going to be memorable memorable and just making memorable interesting npcs while you dm your campaigns for your players so we have uh, compiled a list of a couple things of advice that we think will help you in your campaigns when running your campaigns to make npcs memorable uh, the first thing is uh, to embrace those that are embraced. And when we when we talk about this, what we mean is you're going to be playing a game and Chris, you just described uh, the opposite of this situation. Yeah. You wanted an NPC <laughs> to be embraced. He was not embraced. Right. He was forgotten as soon as it was done playing. But sometimes as DMs... Maybe. We haven't gone back yet to yeah. see if he actually was <laughs> Maybe, forgotten. Yeah. But I guarantee you he was. And some sometimes as DMs, we don't even come up with an NPC or we come up with Oh, this bar has a bartender, and his name is Bob. And for whatever reason, the players latch onto an NPC that we have not planned out, yep. or that we have to pull out of our butts right in the moment, because uh, we've talked about... I don't know why it came up before. We talked about having to pull out a wig shop out of our butts before, yeah. and how that yeah, came did. into one of the campaigns. Nobody plans for a wig shop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or but, a like, tailor shop. To, yeah. that in my world, we had a, we, when you guys had the worm wrangling experience, mm -hmm. you went into a tailor shop. I was like, I don't have a tailor shop made yeah. up. And it was three uh, halfling characters that, in order to measure the tallest guy, they had to get on the top of each other's <laughs> shoulders, you know? Like, yeah. that was something that I had to come up with off the top of my head at the moment, and, you know? And in those moments, sometimes a NPC that has no importance to the story, that has no importance to you as a DM, for whatever reason, becomes really important to a player or the whole group of players, and they latch on to that NPC, and they embrace them. Now, your job, in our opinion, as the, as the DM, is to realize that. To realize the interest when it is shown in an NPC, whether it's something you planned for or didn't plan for. And embrace those NPCs that your players find interesting. Mm -hmm. And make, if they're not already a crucial part of your story, they don't even have to be crucial to your story, but make them into more crucial, into the overall story of your players and your characters. Yeah, whether it's a knight or whether it's three knights or mm -hmm. four knights. I think in this situation, being stubborn is probably something we would say, just get over it, make that character the best thing that they could possibly be because the reality is, is you're making a story that your characters want to come back to again and again and again. Yeah. And if that's going to help, embrace the thing that they're embracing, you know? Yeah, I, I think one of the hardest things for Dungeon Masters is to create an NPC that your players like. And so if they're going to do all the work and invest in a character, yeah. character whether you planted it or not, like you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You need players to be invest their time. So if they do it, run with it. Absolutely. We can think of characters in our campaigns that this has happened with. Jared Stomp is, in, you were telling me before we even recorded, he's probably the, would you say he's your favorite NPC of he's all time? the favorite and most memorable NPC yeah. that I've, I've ever played with. And that was not the case. That was not what I had planned in my mind. You guys freed Stomp and a kobold 
who were slaves um, from slavers, and my plan was for you guys to befriend the Kabul. Well, five seconds into you guys freeing them, you said, all right, Kabold, you're free, and let him go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then you started talking with this goblin who didn't even speak common or any other language. He just, like, he, he was mute. And he became, you guys befriended him, and he ran throughout that entire campaign and became He even died NPC. and was brought back. Yeah, you guys yeah. love this NPC that was so insignificant when I thought about him in creating him that you used your own goal to resurrect him. <laughs> so another way that you can make uh, NPCs crucial and important and memorable to your players is uh, one of the things that we have talked about before and we highly encourage is doing a night before you start a campaign, character creation night, where you work with your players creating their characters and their backgrounds together. It solves a lot of issues and it makes the game more concise when you get together and play together for the first time. And so one of the things you can do is you can sit down with your players and a lot of times as, as a DM I've sat down with like you guys as players and come up with backstories for your characters and you guys have created NPCs in your own backstories that I have then gone, sweet, now you guys have given me a bunch of NPCs that I can roll with and play. I don't yeah. need to do the work. You guys did the work in a sense with me, but these are characters that we haven't even role-played with yet. We haven't even seen in the story yet, in the actual game, and you guys are already attached to them because they're attached to your backgrounds, your characters' backgrounds. Yeah, you could, I mean, even if you don't, you know, have them come up with a whole bunch of different NPCs just through their backstories, you could almost, you know, the way that I created Dale, who's in my campaign now, is I actually, like, went, I was like, okay, if I was going to play a character in this campaign... I mean, he's obviously going to be a dragon, but what would I make for him? Like, what would his backstory be? And you could almost do that, too, on that same exact night. If, mm -hmm. if, it's, if you're starting out in a city, or you're going to meet in a bar, or however cliche it is that you want to make it, it could be, like, one of their friends just going along with them. That could be the NPC. And so you could make the backstory right with all the other characters, too, and they would know who the NPC was before even coming into the night. And this brings us to the next point. If there's interest, in, if you show interest in the PCs... The players will show interest in the NPCs, and I can think off the top of my head from your campaign, Mitch, with my halfling character, Cruor, there's what, Jerry, Larry, and Terry, Terry and Yarp, Yarp and Darp, and, and what was the... What Benjamin. Was the, Benjamin, yeah. The, and without those guys, like, because they showed interest <laughs> in me, I was like, alright, I don't think this is gonna go anywhere, but they have completely sold out to what I'm doing, yeah. and therefore I'm gonna completely, with not right away, without them, your but, character, Cruor... Those characters are just commoners. Yeah, they're just regular. But now folk. they are have been tied into your story. They took an they're NPCs that took an interest in you, and you what your character was doing. And now you started this Riders of Shemes, this almost motorcycle gangish like Riders gang. But riding an otter, yeah. a, a, a <laughs> Saint Bernard dog. Yeah. And what was the Caleb had just a, like a regular a horse, war yeah. horse? Yeah, so boring. And so you, <laughs> and so you've started this. Not a memorable yeah. NPC. <laughs> and these NPCs that would be just so boring regularly are they were interested in who you were as a Maybe character. not. They have names like Yarp and yeah. Dart. <laughs> well, you get past that. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But now they're like really interesting to you because they're they're kind of your cohorts. They're yeah. Your, they're your little buddies that follow you around. And like Two of them are my thugs, yeah. three of them are recruiters, and then there's Benjamin. And now if you've <laughs> listened to the podcast about the where we talked about the masked rider, they're also tied into this big conspiracy that has come out of yeah. your whole game. Yeah, yeah, there's really no famous masked eight-foot-tall rider who's slain a thousand orcs. 
it's really me standing on Yarp's back, mm -hmm. and Yarp is controlling a huge axe with a mask on my face. Yeah. <laughs> but they're all tied into the story now, because they showed an interest in me, and you also rolled really poorly for how intelligent the people were going to be that came up with me. But, <laughs> but yeah, they, that, I think those guys, they, I think they got me to the point, I've never, like, you know, we talk about, like, emotions in a campaign and stuff like that. I was legitimately pissed that night when you came back to me and was like, well, this is the place that we got, boss. And I was like, this is, you guys are idiots. Go out, just leave, get out of here. You know, like that was, that was the moment when they were telling me that they, you know, created this big, long story. I was like, I hate everything about this campaign right now. I've never been mad. Like, actually, like you fake a lot of emotions in a game. That was like live, legit emotions playing through on my character. So, show interest in the PC. PC will show interest in I'm the sure NPC. I'm not sure what point you were trying to make there. I was, just show, I was just, I was saying, <laughs> we're talking about showing interest. I showed, like, they showed interest in me, and it got me to this point where I was so invested in them that when they did something stupid, oh, I, I legitimately you. was mad I at them There you it. go. Okay, yeah. totally understand now. Yeah. yeah, totally understand. Yeah, that was the point I was trying to make. Yeah. This has happened with, uh, definitely with, like, your characters, too, and Joe Feel, and the one I was thinking of was Calico Jack, the orc pirate, mm -hmm. um, and Captain... Mudrucker, the so your your character was an orc pirate that mm -hmm. wanted to become a a captain, captain of his yeah. own ship, and uh, you kind of became pretty close with this other captain as you were underneath his leadership because he kind of took an interest in you. And didn't he make you kind of the spokesperson for his his ship? Like you would kind of go and talk to the other clans, the other orc clans, yeah. on behalf of. Him. Generally, when I make a character, uh, the number one stat is always charisma. That should mm -hmm. always be your number one stat as a character, uh, because I, I like being I like playing the character yeah. that's sort of the guy who talks and can mm -hmm. do the role. And so I made my orc pirate as charismatic as he could be, and so as yeah, charismatic as orcs get, he stepped into the as the ship diplomat. Yeah, of sorts. But yeah, you uh you I I think at least that Captain Mudrucker became a. Probably the most important NPC in that game to you because he took an interest in yeah. your character and kind of you. I think probably also being an evil campaign, you saw that as another stepping stone and you know getting to where you want to get to. But uh, definitely NPCs that take interest in your players' characters will allow the players to become interested in them. Yeah. I think something that DMs often do is they try and create this story and they try and create this plot in this world and sometimes put characters into it. And when somebody's making a character, they want that character has its own goals, its own ambitions. So I think it's it's really helpful if you can create an NPC that not only will it show interest in the PCs, but if that NPC can be something that ties into what they want to do and what you want to do as the DM, mm -hmm. I think that definitely bridges the gap between DM ambitions for the campaign and player ambitions for the campaign. NPCs are, are always going to be I think, the best tool for influencing your world when it comes to interacting with your players. Absolutely. Another way that you can get your players to be interested in the PCs is with a little bit of bribery and making an NPC that you want to be an important NPC, one that they latch on, give them special gifts. Uh, we've had this happen a couple times in our campaign. Though The one that I always think about, a, a character that's like this is, I think, of course, Galadriel. In Lord of the Rings, when she gives the fellowship yeah. each a, a different item, a different gift, and uh, that memorable scene in both the movies and the books. 
she gave me three strands of her hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> creepy Gimli. Yeah, um, super creepy Gimli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, uh, Jared, we had a Loxodon named Baruch, and Baruch was very important to Joe Feel. You want to kind of talk about that? Yeah, I don't know that I remember Baruch too much, other than the fact that uh, at one point he gave Joe Feel his, one of his first paintings. His beautiful painting was a gift from... Uh, Baruch, and I think that's what really made me appreciate him. He had such a yeah. nice gesture. Uh, another way of how an NPC really interacted with who I was as a paint-loving, pacifist guy. And I think that's a really good point. You said, you know, you don't remember Baruch that much, but he still remains a, a memorable PC to you, and you only ever interacted with that NPC one time, and he gave you that, the first painting that you ever got, and, but... You only ever interacted with him once, and the next time you found him, he was dead. Right. But, I mean, you set off on this quest that you wanted to find his family and everything, and why that character became so important to you was because of the one interaction which gave you a gift, and you just, like, latched onto this character that appreciated something that was not appreciated in this world, your love of the arts uh, by many other characters. Yeah. Joe Feel's sort of creed was about bringing peace and light to the whole world in, in times of darkness and struggle. And so uh, one of Baruch's missions, I think, was, and the place he died was, he was visiting a goblin town. Mm -hmm. yep. Because he, he had this mission, he had this calling of sorts to go and, and serve. Minister to the minister, goblins. Yeah. Minister to the goblins. Because Loxodons see the good in everybody. Yeah. And so... <laughs> And so that's one of the things I appreciate about him, too, is, like, this is another person in the world who I can relate to ideologically. Yeah, <laughs> Joe Field totally had those moments where everybody else is like, dude, they're orcs, get away from them. And you're like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also because I wasn't going to attack them myself. <laughs> Even if they went and started attacking you. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, I just really related to him, and the gift-giving was really important, and like you said, put me on this mission to, I just wanted to find his family so I could let them know that he is dead. <laughs> hey guess what your son is uh, <laughs> burned to a crisp and goblin town I think for me one of my favorite NPCs and this wasn't one that, that I made or that you made but it was one when we played with one of our former professors from school he made an NPC who was my character's uncle and you remember you know where I'm going with this I think I do I never actually played long enough in that campaign to meet your uncle but I know where you're going with it yeah because he gave I, me I, he gave me a pendant that was my mother's because oh, my mother so, and father. So you didn't actually meet your uncle. No, I did. He was the he was the okay. blacksmith in that I town. I do I do certainly remember the pendant. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> you met him. He told you to get out because oh, he didn't I like did you because you I were did meet you him. were the evil guy yep. in the group. I was the guy who stole your pendant. Yeah, you stole my freaking pendant like yep. the day after I got it. Uh, and I think giving good gifts is another thing too. Like I mean, you can give gifts, but the ones I think that make most. NPCs memorable are the ones when they give good gifts. Like, for example, I didn't, I, we didn't play that campaign for much longer after you were done, which sucked, by the way, because you ended the campaign still holding on to the item, yeah, so I never it got did. it back. <laughs> uh, I think we just ended up saying, all right, he left, you get it back. But yeah, uh, That's what I would do as a DM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was really cool for me because it gave me this moment of like, wow, that was a really sweet gift. I want to get to know him more, but we only played like two or three more times and really didn't get to delve any further into that relationship, but that was really cool, being able to have the DM give me a really good gift. So the next point that we have is something that I think is not just an important point to make when you talk about NPCs, but in story in general. Uh, I always say that the best stories 
are the stories in which the main character dies. You had Braveheart, you had V for Vendetta, you had all these great stories in which the main character ends up dying, and I think that just really makes an emotional uh, story in which you, you love that character even more, especially if they're giving up their life for a cause they believe in. And so this is something that I think you can do with an NPC to make them yeah. a memorable NPC, is have them die, whether it's in the line of duty for a cause, or even one of the greatest ways to make them a memorable character is have them sacrifice themselves for your your players' characters. Yeah. We think about uh, in the Sons of Bastion campaign, you had Master Roland sacrifice himself. Yeah, he jumped in front of... Didn't he jump in front of one of the hooks that was coming through or something yeah, like that? Yeah, he basically and... got you guys to like rush ahead of him, and you guys all made it back through your portal doorway, and then he got hit He's by... He's like fighting off some guys. Yeah, he and... got hit by hooks and had this moment almost like Gandalf falling down with the Balrog where he's just like, run, you fools. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. what exactly he said, but... I don't even know if he said anything. I, I think he just got hit and we all saw it. I think he said, it. like, get, I think a couple of your characters turned around and started to try yeah. and fight, and he was like, no, get out of here. Go tell Bastion. Yeah. Like, they're coming. Like, yeah. you need to get out of here. And he didn't want, he was like, I'm I'm going to die. It's okay. You need to go. And in that in that huge scene, there were a lot of, of the masters died protecting you guys. Yeah, we didn't see all to die, you. but yeah. Yeah, and it was just this scene of massive chaos, but definitely those moments were like, NPCs can die and one thing I've realized that I would also say is advice is this is a great tool to make NPCs really memorable but be careful not to overuse it yeah. so that every so that when your players play with your NPCs that are they really like they go I don't want to become attached because he's just going to kill yeah. me yeah, it's one thing if you do it like in one campaign and you put that idea on the shelf for a while but if you do it like every single campaign it's like you do the first one Character dies. Yep. You do the second one. Character dies. The third one, they might be like, okay, is he going to make the character yeah, die he's going to make the character die. And then they might get attached in that one. It's like, yeah. okay, character dies. And they're like, okay, we know exactly what's yeah. going to happen from here on out. It, you know? That's going to accomplish the opposite of what you want in your players getting attached to, people, to NPCs because they're not going to want to get attached because they're going to know you're going to kill them if they get attached to them. It's a good thing to do, I think. You just have to do it in moderation. Yeah, even even if your story is going to be completely different from what the past story was, it's like if you have that same pattern of character's going to die, character's going to die, character's going to die. Mm -hmm. No matter how interesting your story gets, if the character is just going to die, if the NPC is just going to die in the same exact way, it's going to be hard for people to really invest in the story because mm -hmm. they're just going to be thinking, well, character's just going to die at the end. And when know? is it going to happen? Like yeah. Every time something dangerous happens. Is this the moment? Yeah. But it, it definitely can make characters. Oh, memorable. it can be one of the Jared, strongest points. I think of points. when you guys return to, well, actually, you were on the other side of the table with me at this point, but uh, uh, Joe Fuel's reaction to Dama, another one of your characters, killing off Dax, uh, stops kind of sidekick. And that moment where all of you guys weren't sure if I actually had decided to not kill Dax the Goblin, but kill Stomp. And the emotion... <laughs> from the players was uh, Chris you talk about that moment where you were upset with the fact that these NPCs that were around you had like done something that you didn't consider you didn't consider even being an option right and the emotion that came from you of like being upset was nothing compared to the emotion of stop dead did did Mitch just kill stop <laughs> like 
Um, and I didn't because I didn't want. What do you think would have happened if they actually killed Stubb? Do you think there would have been anarchy? That, I think that Magic Mark, at the very least, would have been extremely pissed with me. <laughs> like they would not have. He would have gotten over it, but he would not have been happy. He wouldn't have seen it as a good story. That was the thing. They had invested so much in that character. I don't think you guys would have ever been happy if Stubb had died, because and that's and that's the thing. You got to know when it's a good thing to do it and a bad thing to do it. You don't want to just use them as. You don't want to be that DM that, you know, everybody hears about the DM that gives their players really good items and then has them break or get them stolen. Like, you don't want to do that with NPCs as well. Like, give them great NPCs to interact with and then just kill them off with that because you're like, ah, I want to mess with their emotions. I want to get them pissed off. We're not the walking dead after all. You don't want to get them pissed off at a villain by making every single great NPC die. And and in the same way of making NPCs die, in some situations, letting the NPC live works just the same. Because in that moment with Stomp and Dama, Dama had cut off the Typhling's tail, he had burned the Druid's tree, Mm -hmm. he had done all these things, killed the other goblin, and and turned their... faithful NPC that they liked against them and all this thing. And so saving Stomp was at sort of a, okay, at least Stomp is okay. At least, you know, at least he's not dead. That was yeah. a little bit of mercy in those moments of really pissing off. <laughs> There's at least that little glint of hope left at the end yeah. of all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think, long story short, death and sacrifice of an NPC definitely makes them memorable. Definitely can make them a character that your players will remember as wow, like that guy was. I loved that guy. It sucks that he had to die, but don't do it so that they're just pissed off at you all the time and going. Can't believe they killed that person. I can't believe they kill every person. Yeah. <laughs> like I hate this DM because none of the NPCs are safe. <laughs> yeah. Going off of that, Jared, you said one of the one of the great things that you can also do is letting NPCs live, and so there's this there's this aspect of if your players are going to build up a relationship and lash onto an NPC, there should be some payoff to that relationship. Whether that is things that we've already talked about, them becoming interested in your players and uh, becoming part of the Riders of Shemesh, yeah. or whether that's gifts that are given. We, I remember, and I'll, I'll use this example with what I'm talking about too, but there was a dwarf character named Bert Bronzekin, Magic Mark's troll, half-troll, Krudrick, became friends with him and kind of a weird pairing of troll, half-troll and dwarf, and they loved cigars, and so at one point in the campaign, Bert gave Krudik cigars, something that, for me as a DM, was easy to hand out because it didn't affect gameplay at all, but that Krudrick and through Krudrick Magic Mark loved. But there there should be some sort of payoff, and that payoff can just be in the role-playing itself between friendships between characters, but even thinking long-term at the end of the campaign, I remember Bert was another NPC who died in battle, uh, but he left this kind of last note that I gave to uh, Magic Mark for Krudrick that said, if you're ever in Sivafel, which is the land of the dwarves, if you're ever there again, look up my brother, Kurt. <laughs> and so at the end of the campaign, we did like a epilogue, and that's what Magic Mark had his player character, Krudrick, do. Go to that land. He met Kurt, which was basically a younger-looking Bert, and... Yep they became like adventurers together through the epilogue. That was how their story ended is they, they battled together against goblins for until one day they both died in battle gloriously. But yeah. um, definitely having that relationship payoff is a good thing. 
Yeah, I think definitely relationships that, that benefit the players can be really helpful, especially even as a DM for adding plot hooks. Uh, you know, if you're really, really good friends with uh, the blacksmith in a certain town, there's a lot of like ties in the story that you can create just by having that guy say, next time you're there, oh, this, this strange elf came in with this weird-looking sword. <laughs> and all of a sudden you've got plot hooks that feed people in and make them feel like, I'm glad I invested in that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't had a lot of these payoffs yet because I haven't finished you know, the campaign that I'm currently in now. But you guys have started, I think, after we played now, you know, about probably 10 sessions now, I think, in that campaign, something like that. You guys have started to make some really interesting connections with some NPCs from the city, and I'm really excited to see at the end of that campaign what the payoff with those will actually be, how those characters are remembered going into my next campaign, stories that will come up about them. I'm excited for that. Yeah, and that's a good point, too, is that payoff can be that NPC, maybe even that NPC shows up in another campaign if you play it in the same kind of storyline or whatever. And so your player characters can latch onto him again and have another story with the same kind of character. Or they find little like tokens or something mm-hmm. like that from those characters. Yeah. Statues. I mean, just all sorts of mm-hmm. different things in the future. Yeah. Those things can really be cool as far as payoff. I think of um, like Balfris, who had. Of a young boy, yes, William, William, William uh, of Wellfall, who yeah. became sort of his underling, and and he trained. Then later in the the Prison Break campaign, yeah. which was an evil campaign, uh, Caleb was able to at least hear how William was like the warden of this prison. That of he was the in. biggest prison in the world, yeah, he trained him well. Yeah. <laughs> like and, he never in that campaign ever got to see William grow up and become a paladin, but eventually William became a paladin and then a warden of a prison. Right. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of great cameo potential mm-hmm. um, that can be rewarding to players. Yeah, as well. for sure. Yeah, for NPCs that your players put interest in. Like, mm-hmm. see, do another campaign and let them see where their time that they spent on those NPCs that maybe wasn't uh, realized in that campaign, you can have it be realized later on with other player characters. Even if those player characters don't care about the NPC, the players themselves will go, hey, that's cool. Yeah. So the next thing we want to cover is adding in memorable traits for your NPCs because the reality is you're not going to create, an, well you might, but you shouldn't create an NPC that's boring as heck. <laughs> uh, every, every character should have some sort of personality, some sort of appearance, some sort of backstory, some sort of weird quirk or flaw within, within their character. And so I know we have in front of us right now the 5e Dungeon Master Guide and it can get hard after uh, a while of creating NPCs especially if you play with the same people over and over and over and over and over again, to come up with characters that have new and inventive traits and personality things and stuff like that. And so what I loved about the 5e Dungeon Master's Guide, and and no matter if you do 3.5 or 5 or 4 or, you know, whatever whatever you use, you can use these charts. This is great for any real role-playing game. This section we're looking at is not rule specific yeah awesome. and so if you're if you're running out of ideas of things to do it it can help you either one create randomly create a new npc or it can you can just pick and choose the things that are on here because there's a lot of different things that you can do in there so if you um, have if you have the 5e dungeon master guide or you get a chance to look at it it begins on page 89 of the dungeon master's guide so uh, and it t- it gives all of these ideas of making memorable traits for NPCs. Uh, It goes down a list of appearances, abilities, talents, mannerisms, ideals, bonds, flaws, and secrets. 
and just all these things that can make an NPC really memorable. And of course, whereas it gives a lot of ideas, there's so many more out there. Yeah. And I'm, sh I'm sure that with one of the things that's great about 5e that I really do respect is the that they're trying to focus on story being really important yeah. again. And I'm sure with more content that comes out from them, that hopefully they'll have more to offer as far as this kind yeah, of Yeah, and I stuff. think they will, too. Yeah. I mean, even, even if you don't have the Dungeon Master's Guide, you can go online and find tons and tons of random tables that will help you yeah. create these. And you can, you know, create NPCs from your favorite movies, your favorite books, stuff like that. Pick, on, pick and choose things, you know, that you find interesting from anywhere, really, that will help you create some really interesting and really memorable NPCs. So the first thing that first chart that is featured in the Dungeon Master Guide is NPC appearance, and so uh, what it does is it allows you to roll a d20, and it, basically you can create these characters at random if you want, and just randomly create if you're trying to create an NPC on the fly, like a character, and give them really specific appearances and whatever the tables are to make them memorable. But it just gives a lot of great ideas, and appearance is definitely one of the things that can make a NPC memorable. If you're coming along, every single character is, uh, he's he's a human. He's, he's got a... He's six foot tall. Yeah, he's, he's got a beard. He's, you know, but like there's things that you can add here uh, to yeah. to their appearance that makes them memorable. Let's name a couple on here. The, one of the things that I like that I see first is missing teeth. Like, yeah. That's a, that's a funny thing to... Uh, something that's not going to be forgotten right away at the very it's least. teeth, it's, not tooth. Yeah. So it's obviously multiple teeth. Especially missing, if yeah. that adds to the character in the sense of maybe he has a lisp because he's missing some teeth. Or he's like... <laughs> a whistle to his yeah, tongue. Yeah, or it's somebody like, they seem really friendly and you smile and they smile and all of a sudden they have no teeth. It's like, whoa, yeah. what the... Well, how did he lose his on? teeth? Yeah. It starts your mind. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, exactly. As soon as you say this character has no teeth, it demands the question... Or missing some teeth. Why is he missing some teeth? How does missing some teeth uh, affect his interactions with people? Is he sensitive about missing those, pe those <laughs> do you teeth? Instant, do you instantly yeah. become like, I want nothing to do with this guy? <laughs> is, yeah. You know, is that guy going to not like you just because you pointed out his teeth in front of him? Or he sees person? your, like, reaction to him not having any teeth where you're just like, what in the world? <laughs> yeah. I uh, I like the, uh, the missing fingers one that's right below that, too. I mean, you go to, like, meet somebody the first time... And you shake oh, yeah. their hand, and they have like a pointer finger, and like that's it that they're going to shake. Or we just watched the interview too, where Seth Rogen's character got all of his fingers except for like his thumb and his middle finger bit off, you know? So it could be something like that as well that somebody's missing fingers, you go up and shake their hand, and that's probably something you'll notice right away, and somebody will remember for a very, very long time. There's other things on here, such as having tattoos or maybe a distinctive birthmark, um, unusual skin color. I noticed on here also it says character can be exceptionally ugly or exceptionally beautiful. And Chris, we just had a, you just had an interaction with an NPC in uh, my world recently that it was maybe five minutes tops, but yeah, their exceptionally like that, yeah. beautiful appearance definitely affected your character. Yeah, we, we ran into a dryad. We had to do a quest for whatever it is that we're trying to, to do this quest for. We don't exactly know who or what we're trying to do this quest for. But it was get the blessing of a dryad. And so we had to, we moved this giant turtle who was blocking the flow of the stream that led to this dryad's house. And then we got down to the dryad's home, the tree. And the dryad came out who was replenished the first time. I think we saw her the first time and she was like extremely like kind of thin and just wasn't like, it, it, you could tell that she was in a lot of pain and dying. And we came back the second time and she was just the most amazingly beautiful thing 
my halfling character had ever seen in his life, and he failed his, his will save, and he was just like, she, she like caressed his face, like the side <laughs> of his face, and he was just like instantly just so in love with this character that he did not want to leave, and so she walked back into the tree. He's like looking around the tree like, how the heck do I get inside of there? I don't want to leave my, my beautiful dryad. You know, she's, she's vulnerable out here. Like, what am I going to do? And I think he ended up just like sitting down next to the tree and like resting his head against him. Like, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere. And uh, eventually Mark's character was like, no, we have to go. <laughs> Had to kind of we drag have, you out we, of there. Yeah, we have bigger and more important <laughs> things to do. But I don't think he'll ever forget her, yeah. even though he didn't even know his name. Yeah, even her though it was a very... Very short interaction. That that definitely affected that character. Yeah. Uh, the next list that's in the Dungeon Master's Guide 5e is NPC abilities. And so basically this is talking about their abilities as far as strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. And, you know, if they're going to have a high ability, what that's going to look like. And if they're going to have a low ability also, what that's going to look like. And so you get, you get a character with a really high strength describe them in that sense they're going to be strong maybe they help your players uh move something big like a giant turtle out yeah, of the way uh yeah. if they are have a really really low charisma or intelligence role play them that way and make them memorable in they're that gonna sense. be really dull and boring i think yeah. of the uh charlie brown mom voice <laughs> exactly doesn't even speak comedy yeah right <laughs> yeah the next thing is we have npc talents Little, little things that everybody has a talent of some sort. So why is it something that we don't add to a lot of our NPCs? Mm -hmm. uh, we have a couple of, of fun things on here. Jared, we were pointing out earlier, there's like expert dart thrower and rock skipper. <laughs> <laughs> like that was one of the things on there. Like you come up against a stream and somebody's skipping it like 20 times across the stream. Or, you know, you're, you're in a bar somewhere and they decide to hustle some, some thugs on the other side of the room in a game of darts or something like that. And they just make a ton of money off of it, you know? Little little quirky things like that, little little talents can really add a lot to your your characters. Yeah. Mitch, what's something you saw in there? Uh, plays a musical instrument, and I I think when I thought of that, I thought of a bard character that Caleb uh, Caleb's character became in love with uh, a bard named Shamgar, and he grasped onto this NPC and basically would make sure whenever you guys were in a city that he was in, he would go tell stories to him, and he had this bard write ballads, which was on me to write these ballads about yeah, yeah, Balfour's yeah. the Bofo. Uh, but it was a lot of fun, and every single time I wrote one, Caleb's eyes lit up and was like, oh, I've got a song written about me. But I also noticed on here, like, making NPCs important. Like, you have the talent of speak several languages fluently. Perfect or, memory. Yeah, or great at solving puzzles. Well, maybe you don't have player characters that are have a lot of languages. And so maybe you get... You befriend a PC or an NPC that is really has a lot of different language that he knows, and so you use that and to make that NPC into an NPC that comes into the campaign more, and they will use him as an interpreter. Maybe you're you have a bunch of players that hate puzzles, uh, but you still want to put puzzles in your game, and so maybe they get attached to this uh, NPC who is great at puzzles and loves puzzles. And so they they're like, all right, we'll give you some gold if you come into the dungeon with yeah, us. Yeah. And they come, you know, this NPC follows them around and and almost in a sense like gives them hints to how to solve. It helps you are able to help the players who are not good at puzzles get those puzzles done by having an NPC that helps them out. We talked recently had a mailbag about an NPC. Somebody, one of our listeners, used 
an NPC as kind of a tutorial for their daughter. Yeah, yeah. And like that's that's going along those lines, making that NPC. I think it was a bard like, character. Yeah, too. I believe yeah, so. That walked around. Good old bards. And if you ever need to sneak into the the Turtle Club, there's an expert actor the or the master of disguise. Yes. Yeah. So you can have somebody that's not turtly enough for the Turtle Club, oh, yes. and then somebody decides I'm to be a master. Turtly of... enough for the Turtle Club. Turtle, turtle. Yeah, it's a great, great movie, Master of Disguise. The next thing that is uh, in the list of of traits that you can give your NPCs is mannerism, uh, and there's a pretty good list in the the guide here about mannerisms. I think uh, one that I think is pretty interesting is... I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you saying mannerisms? Mannerisms. 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 Keep going. <laughs> Jared, Jared's mannerism is... What's the other thing you say funny? I forget. Jared's mannerism is he can't say mannerism right. How do you say mature? Do you say that funny? Mature? Do you, you say, say mature? mature? Please tell me you don't say mature. I say mature. Okay. Oh. There's something else you say funny. but All right, keep going. Mannerisms. Continue. Anyway, so the... <laughs> Wait, did you say mannerisms that yeah, time? I'm making fun of Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a great list of mannerisms. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't... There's no aneurysms on the list, but there's, there's some good mannerisms. I hope a mannerism wouldn't be aneurysm. <laughs> aneurysms. Now that, Somebody's just like, oh, got another one. That would be a memorable episode. That would be. He'd be dead. <laughs> It wouldn't be memorable. Uh, oh, gosh. You should be like your great uncle and he's dying of an injury. Oh, gosh. This, that's what... I want to have the NPC that's a super villain in a campaign and you go and you're finally going to kill the guy and before you get there, he dies of a heart attack or something. <laughs> and, like, just rob the players of that Let's go! Bam! Just falls over on the ground. That was the last time my players played with me. <laughs> So yeah, there's a there's a list of a lot of good uh, mannerisms here. Uh, well, the one I like is speaks in rhyme. Uh, yes. Just always speaking All in the time. rhyme. Uh, I'm not very good at that, but I'd love to meet an NPC uh, led by Mitch, of course. Uh, <laughs> who has to do that? And it would be my goal as a player just to try and give that guy the hardest things to have to describe yeah. uh, in and, rhyme. And that being said, like. That would be frustrating at times for me because I would know that you guys would give me a hard time. However, that's an awesome, that's a hilarious like interaction between your players and you as the DM, drawing you guys closer together, giving you guys a fun time. And if you really want that NPC to be like them to have interest in it, if that NPC can make you the DM be given a hard time by the players, they're gonna love that NPC. <laughs> they're gonna always come back to that NPC. There's one on here that I really like. Frequently uses the wrong word. Come on, be honest. We all know people that like mannerisms. use like mannerisms. Oh, I've listened. I've listened to the editing of the podcast. And I'm like, that's not the right word that yeah, I used there. Yeah, <laughs> I know the right word, but I was on a roll and I used the wrong yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we all know, and we're all like, they're not using that in the right mm -hmm. sense. Like, can we just correct them? You know, like, and so that 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 would be something that and would maybe be really... you do correct him, and he's like, no, <laughs> no, no, I'm like, using it. Right. Of course, I'm using about? mannerism right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I like the one uh, uses flowery speech or long words. Yeah. And I remember we did one just a one-shot evil campaign with Mitch's character. And I can't remember why, but I think on well, my flaw or maybe my character supposed to be really smart. And so I wanted to use a lot of big flowery words. And so I found this flashcard app of like vo of vocab oh, yeah. words. And like I start... And that fits in the using words wrong too because yeah. you definitely did I, I so I started with the A words that were in this vocab list these flashcards and I would try and use it in a sentence and I'd flip to the next one and so I guess if you're ever really bored as a DM which you probably won't be 
<laughs> but that might be a, an interesting thing to try to do with some NPCs. Yeah. Another one would be how your NPCs interact with each other. What are their interaction traits? And so we all we all have daily interactions with people. Your NPCs always have interactions with your characters, or at least they should. <laughs> Being NPCs, you would think they should. And so each of us each has an, an, an interesting way that we interact with, the pe with people. You can either be rude or can be generally inquisitive when you meet people for the first time. That can both be a good thing. Like that could that could hark back to our conversation about people, you know, in, involving themselves with NPCs and therefore your your PCs will involve themselves with the with the PCs and stuff like that. If they're questioning them, if they're they're trying to get to know them, that could be a good thing. It could also be something there's like two two sides to that coin. They question in a good way or it's they're that like just annoyingly questioning person all the time where it's like, "Well, why? Why? Why?" You know, they're always going, you know, we all we all know those people that constantly are asking all sorts of different questions trying to get to know you and if you catch somebody in the bad in a bad mood that could be the worst possible thing ever mm -hmm. uh, if you catch somebody in a good mood it's like yeah we'll talk we'll get to know each other a little bit so interaction traits what do you what do you guys like an npc that's honest like if you can especially i know that players will love honesty in a shopkeeper <laughs> oh you can yeah, find a shopkeeper yeah. that you're like this guy will give me a good deal i know that pcs will come back to this guy because they know this guy will give me a good deal gonna treat I can, him right i can yeah. trust them while at the same time another trait that they have on here is suspicious going along the shopkeeper thing you got a shop shopkeeper that you kind of suspect he's ripping you off the chances you keep on returning to that guy not so great because you're like ah, i don't trust this guy i don't trust him yeah you read you read that suspicious one sort of in an opposite way of where that guy has you have reason to be suspicious of him uh, but I think it's interesting if a character is suspicious of yes. the group. Yeah. Most likely your group's role in the world is to go around killing things and manipulating things and exploiting things for gold. And if you're going to show up to the shopkeeper, he's probably going to be a little suspicious of why you're in the shop. Maybe you create an NPC that's a, a town's guard that just gets really well known by the player group because he's constantly suspicious of what your characters are doing. Or you and so he's them. always kind of coming by and I almost picture like the uh the english what do they call the english cops back in the day you guys know what i'm talking about they had like the funny caps and stuff i don't know do they still have those caps constable that's what that's that's good let's go with that like english constable like coming around and being like what are you doing there that's that's irish <laughs> like like almost like coming in swinging his like club and just being like kind of like stuck up but su suspicious of your players yeah. and just being like I don't, I don't know about these guys and constantly just kind of asking you questions trying to catch you in the act so. or you could cast a charm person spell on every guard you come up against <laughs> like you like to do yeah, yeah. <laughs> make them my friends make them your friends who run and open all the gates for you well I was going to say this has nothing to do with anything but in Mark's campaign I'm playing a beguiler and my favorite spell is charm person this mm -hmm. guy owes us money charm person he just pays <laughs> a lot more money <laughs> perfect all right, so the next table that we have is NPC ideals. And so this goes into a lot of alignment stuff and what's really driving them, what's behind their their morality and what they, they want in life or for society. And this is something that common ideals are going to really play well with the player characters that have common ideals. The paladin in your group is going to love the NPCs that have ideals similar to his especially religious ideals. 
a paladin is going to want to hopefully have good relationships with the clerics and priests at the temples in which he worships that god or yeah. gods. Even ideals that are that are opposite can make memorable characters. Yes. I remember playing the Twitter campaign and I designed my character. I didn't think mm. it would ever come into play, but uh, my character was an abolitionist, so his whole goal was to end slavery in this land where slavery was very prevalent. Uh, and so we got hired by this guy who owned slaves, and I convinced him to send us some slaves. And my purpose wasn't to get these guys to help kill baddies. I wanted to try and see if I could free these slaves. And they didn't want to be free this either. Guy, this guy Malik, he's like, why would you? Why would you question that at all? I'm happy. I'm content. I'm the best treated slave in the land. Like I'm not. Yeah. I'm not gonna give that yeah. up. He didn't understand the idea behind like why would I? Why would I want to lose my status as being head of you know? Like, I'm treated well, I'm fed, my family has a roof over their heads and a meal every day. Like, what are you talking about? Freedom's better. Like, uh, and that's just a pretty good life. Yeah, yeah, and that was a good situation where our, our ideologies were completely opposite, yet it didn't cause conflict other than me Not to the trying. point where you guys weren't loyal to each other as friends. Yeah. Right. Not to the point where you couldn't see yeah. past that, yeah. Right, he just had to deal with my ramblings about freedom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he dealt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly thought they were ramblings, but yeah. <laughs> so the next thing is, is NPCs usually have bonds to things. They usually find either people, places, or things important to them. Uh, and I think this can create it something that's really, really interesting for an NPC. Somebody who, one thing in particular, could be protective of something sentimental. Like my, you know, my dwarven character who was really protective of his, <laughs> his mother's pendant that his uncle gave to him. I think... Something like that can be something that's really, really strong. Or if they're kind of a homegrown, love home, never want to leave, that type of bond. Or they're really close with family members, and so it's really hard for them to leave the city. That could be a type of bond that an, that an NPC has, especially if you come along to a city and then you ask them to leave. That type of bond could be extremely hard for them to break. That really makes me think, like the bonds to an item really makes me think of of a time with Dama Joynerjernan when he cut off the Tithling's tail. Oh, yeah. And how attached the player was to that tail. Literally. Uh, but also how, not only that bond to the tail and losing that, how that impacted him, but also his incredible bond which made him out for revenge, which is another one on the list in the Dungeons & Master's Guide for 5e. That guy made it his life goal and purpose to kill every gray elf after that that he possibly could. <laughs> and so that was a bond of his. That came out of a, a different bond. Losing a different yeah, bond. Yeah, losing like, a different yeah. bond. He, he like, overcompensated for a bond that he lost by attaching himself to a different bond Typhlings that was going to carry about, out the rest of his life. Typhlings are all about bondage. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Another one I see here is captivated by a romantic interest, and I could see, like, some young guy just running up to you guys as adventurers and, like, wanting to rope you into some crazy plan he has to propose to the love of his life. By the way, DM Chris is engaged now, so... Congratulations. <laughs> 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 so DM Chris can relate to this uh, sense. But, yeah, like, what that could be... That could be, in a sense, turn into a really fun night in which... He has this ridiculous plan that this guy would have and see if your adventurers will jump in. Maybe he wants your adventurers to play some thugs that try and steal steal a necklace from his lover and he's going to come in and pretend to beat the crap out of you guys and whatever. And maybe another one of your players is supposed to set off fireworks behind the building or something like that. Like You come up with some really I, crazy ideas. I want to play that. the campaign where we get to help a guy... 
uh, propose to a girl, and then we get to go to a bachelor party. Yeah, they- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that kind of stuff is super fun. Yeah, you get invited to the wedding. <laughs> That'd be sweet. That's a great time. The DM's guide's list of different traits that you can give your NPCs saves the best for last with NPC flaws and secrets. And I think one of the most important things you can do uh, for your NPCs is to give them a flaw. Something about them that isn't perfect, something about them that drives them into something negative and makes them do things that aren't beneficial for them, that aren't beneficial for your players. And Because I think really that's what makes them the most human is, is having mistakes and having things about them that aren't ideal. Flaws really help uh, your players really invest into your NPCs a lot of time. One of the best examples of this is Stomp again and his flaws. I think of how being an evil goblin, uh, is that's really just who he is, but in a, in a way, being with the group we were, that can be a flaw. And how that flaw of being an evil goblin really had Caleb's character invested in him. Now, Caleb really liked Stomp just like we did, but his character hated Stomp. <laughs> as a person, he did. As a player, he hated him. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, so Balfris, his character, didn't like Stomp, even killed Stomp at one point. Yep. And so that flaw of being an evil goblin really had him invest in it. Even Stomp's inability to talk and being mute and just watching Mitch kind of... Trying to roleplay. Making noise. And, and yeah, making noises. Little mouth noises and stomping <laughs> around. And, like, that was a flaw, but it was really fun as players to try and figure out what this goblin is trying to communicate. And to part us. of that communication flaw was you guys would tell things to stomp, and I would know what you meant, but I would figure out some way that stomp would take it differently and how he did not fully understand you and... <laughs> Which led to you having to explain more or led to stop doing something that you didn't want him to do. Yeah. So that was a lot of fun. I also think of the one time I played a character with amnesia. And mm-hmm. uh, and right now he's sitting in this town because uh, doing nothing except being a shepherd. Because he met these two young boys uh, just like acne all over their faces and like <laughs> old school fantasy world nerd equivalents. Uh, and it was just really awesome for my guy who has no idea who he is befriends these weird te- <laughs> teenage shepherds. Uh, the way you guys told me the story about them, it almost reminded me of like the teenager from The Simpsons. The, the have you guys seen? You know who I'm talking about? The uh, pizza delivery. I think it's the yeah, pizza it's delivery the, guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he just like his voice cracks all the yeah, time. He's just like exactly greasy looking. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, these are the characters we met. Obviously flawed, but now those kids would be playing D and D. Right. In D&D, if D&D was a thing. <laughs> D&D in D&D. Yep, oh, yeah. if D&D were a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just these these nerdy boys without any friends, and so my guy comes along and starts this gang of shepherds with them, and yeah. it's just the three of them, and now it's, you know, they've got their little slogan, Crooks for Life, and uh, <laughs> it's just a really awesome thing to connect with those flawed teenagers. Mm-hmm. I think of uh, Chris and your campaign, I think of Dwalin, uh, the dwarf. I like Dwalin. absolutely flawed. Not a long conversation that I ever had with Dwalin, but... In a dwarf city, we're looking for a seafaring dwarf who could take us out on this ship. I sat and you, down and you I found a guy that that looked like he had seen better days. That he looked yep. salty. He looked like the perfect yep. guy that I was looking for. I sat down. I spent about twenty minutes conversing with him, telling him my plan, getting him roped in. He and was he's excited. Loving it. He's like, he "Yeah, like, man, I'm, I'm in, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm stoked." And I'm ready. then he says, "All right, so where's your boat?" And I'm like, "Where's our boat?" <laughs> Where's your boat? Yeah. You said you were in. Like, yeah. And I was just like, all right, get out yeah, of here. Yeah, because you basically, you were like, so do you have a boat? He's like, nope. 
Yep. You have a boat? Communication <laughs> like, like, Nope. Made him memorable. This but yeah, old then, senile dude. But he, he like, even after that, he like wanted to come with you. Like afterwards, he like came I was back like, up. I'm and not like, getting this old guy killed yeah, for nothing. Yeah, yeah. He was like, I want to stay back. He's like, stay I want to go kill some octopus. Like, let me come with you. Because he was like, he's like wanting to relive the glory days. Yep. He's like, he's like the guy that couldn't transition out of high school and was like still stuck in that that mentality. It's just I I love playing Dwalin or Dwalin when you came up against him. He was fun. Going along with flaws, you know, there's what are some flaws that you can give characters besides the ones that we have already talked about? Like I'm thinking just physical physical flaws. You could have characters who maybe a character who got his hands chopped off for stealing, and now he has to yeah. live his life like that. You mentioned mute being a thing. Uh, maybe they're blind, and that's that's a flaw that can make characters have interactions with them. I want to play a deaf character in the future. I want to see what that's like. That would be interesting. I would suggest not doing it for yeah. a long campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I also think of along the same lines of flaws as I think mystery can be a flaw too at some point in time. Yeah. Or secrecy. It can not, be... Yeah, not even so much a flaw, but flaws and secrets is the other thing. And, yeah, um, I, I think of Shadar from your campaign, the one we've talked a little bit about who rode the Cerberus, and he had scars on his face and stuff like that, and he lives with the stone giants and... And one of the things that he said is death follows me everywhere, if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not yep. mistaken, yeah. right? But we don't know what that means. We don't know why he won't follow us. We don't know much of anything as characters you about him. You knew that him. this guy was secretive. You knew that there was mystery surrounding And now you know a little bit more that player-wise, you know he's the demigod yeah. son of Nerul. Yeah. But there's still mysteries surrounding yep. him. He yeah, rides a Cerberus. You're like, how did he get the Cerberus? Yeah, how the heck did he it get that? It makes a little bit more sense knowing whose son he right. is, but how did... You know, he doesn't like Nerul, so what's right. the deal there? Right, like, yep. Yeah, there's a lot of things about him that's just like, I wish I knew more about him. Like, mm-hmm. that's that was really cool to learn that he had secrets that he wasn't ready to share with everybody. Yeah. It made me want to delve deeper into who the heck is Shadar. I think of Dale in your campaign, how that moment that I realized what was going on first, and I was so proud of myself for realizing yeah. for anybody in the campaign, when Dale and... Evanor, the bad villain from your campaign, were fighting and uh, they'd punch each other and their arms would change and you'd see scales. And I was like, he's a dragon, man. He's transformed to look like a human, but he's a dragon. That reveal of that secret, like, Dale's a lot cooler than we originally thought he was. And a lot more powerful. And if Evanor is a dragon too, then oh my gosh, we gotta get out of here. Yeah, and you've since learned that there's more than just them two within the world right now too that are transformed into dragons you guys are kind of like okay who else is a is a dragon that we don't know yeah. you know so i think secrecy can be a really cool thing to add into your characters to add a lot of fun and a lot of bonds that can be made between your characters my favorite secret from the list uh, that they provide is has a powerful enemy i think it's just a, a cool idea to think of you know you meet this npc and he's gonna fight alongside of you and he's like two or three levels ahead of you and he's just awesome and kicking butt and all of a sudden, you find out that like he's the king's greatest enemy in all the land. <laughs> yeah, the the players are gonna be like, ah, oh, this guy's sweet. Fight with us, like help us out. And it's this moment of triumph, and this guy's awesome. And then all of a sudden, wait. Is that a wanted poster of you over there? <laughs> yeah, right. Wait, did people see us fighting with this guy? <laughs> and it doesn't even have to be like a mortal enemy that he has. What if he's like on bad terms with a god. He did something to piss off a god. Yeah, he did something to piss off a god. And you guys are traveling with this guy thinking he is the bomb. But bad things keep happening, you guys. And he... Things that you can't explain, too. Some moment you're just sitting around the campfire sharing stories about each other. And he's like, well, uh, 
I once desecrated a temple of Yonogu. A couple of other things just to finish up this section. I think one thing to think about, it's great to talk in your normal voice, but something that a lot of people will always remember is if you give your characters a memorable voice. Mm -hmm. Either Irish or English or Southern or whatever. whatever high pitched, low pitched. High pitched, low pitched. They uh, talk slow, they talk yep. really fast. I mean, those types of things, we all have the different ways that we talk. I mean, obviously we're from Michigan. I mean, I'm from Michigan. I talk a certain <laughs> way. You're from New York. Yep. You can slip into some New York tendencies. Every we all have different time. mannerisms. Yep. mannerisms. I speak louder than you guys, which is why the mic is one foot from you guys yeah, right. and three feet away from yeah, me. Yeah, right, yeah. So we all have we all have different ways that we talk, and that's that's the reality of, of the Dungeons & Dragons world, too, is not everybody's going to talk in the same way if you want to get more into the acting side of things while you're playing. Give your character some sort of voice. I'm sure there's websites that you can find of, like, what, what do different dialects sound like speaking in English, or what do different dialects sound like speaking in whatever language it is that you, you play Dungeons & Dragons, and you can find those things. Doing those types of things will just be... It'll take your game to another level that it wouldn't have possibly been to without having a memorable voice. Or you could just learn fluent Dwarven and use that. Yeah, yeah that too. That too. That's or, probably the best approach. Or Draconic yeah. or Sylvan or anything Abyssal. like that. Yeah, that's... Yeah, Abyssal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then you could learn all sorts of different things. Yeah, I think the voices are something that some people obviously don't like. Jared, you're not really too into using voices, but if you're going to DM, I think it is something that you should try to do because if you don't ever use voices, then every character is going to have the same kind of voice. So if you're not going to use voices, then you better put a lot of time into describing the traits of those characters because... Or at the very least, just <clears throat> using different speech patterns. Yep. I mean, we in just regular conversation with your normal voice... You're always changing the way you talk, the speed you talk, how high or low you talk. Uh, so just little variations of that can still be a comfortable way yeah. uh, to do a little bit of different voices. And you know what? If, you're, if your players tease you and laugh at you because you use different voices, realize that it's funny and uh, latch character. onto it. But like, they'll remember yeah, Or it. kill their character. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they, they will, they should, and I think they will appreciate well, it. Well, they'll probably remember it, too. Even if they kind of tease you about it. Yeah, they'll probably remember the character mm -hmm. that you use that voice with, yeah. too. I and mean, maybe, that's the reality of it. And maybe that'll encourage them to try voices yeah. out and go, hey, he's doing it, I'll, I'll try it up, too. Peer pressure at its finest. Mm -hmm. uh, lastly, and if you remember the Villains episode, we talked about this then, but for your NPCs, names are going to be important. That You want names that, one, you can pronounce and that are memorable. You're going to have those moments where you're going to have to pull an NPC out of thin air and come up with story for him. So one thing that is good is, is having a list of maybe some random names at your disposal that you can have. I know that some DM shields come with this already as a list of names, but just have a list of randomized names. Even you can download random name generators that you can just do. But names are an important thing. You want to have NPCs with good names. Yeah, I think like we talked about, especially for if it's going to be an NPC that sticks around for a long time, yeah. say that name a couple of times too. Mm -hmm. See how it sounds coming off of your your tongue the first couple of times. And if you like the sound of it, it's probably, you know, other people will probably like the sound yeah. of it as well. And when we say good names, we don't mean to shy away from funny names either. Yeah, because yeah. like all the gnomes in my world, this one of their traits is that they all have really goofy last names. Yeah. And so when I try and think of a gnome name, I spend more time thinking, all right, what how can I make this name really ridiculous? Not yeah. I don't want a normal sounding name, I want it to sound ridiculous. Right. And that's something that players can latch on to and laugh about and remember. Yep. So that's what we have for you as ideas to make 
your NPCs into memorable NPCs. We hope that you have gotten some great ideas from what we've talked about. Definitely, if you have the opportunity to look up the 5e DMG and check out those sections on flaws and what are they, Jared? Man? Manurisms. Manurisms. Yeah. Uh, definitely do that and check that out and see um, all of those ideas and and use them in your game to help you to create really interesting, memorable NPCs. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? The mailbag of holding, the place where we share ideas, stories, and questions from you, the listener. Chris, we have an email to answer this week, yes? Yes, we do. It's from uh, DM Brandon. He writes about an issue that he is having within the campaign that he's running. He finds himself running a sandbox campaign, and if you don't know what a sandbox campaign is, it's it's something that's kind of like there's there's an open world where the characters can basically, for the most part, have free roam and, and do what they want and just kind of explore and, and adventure within the within the world wherever wherever they see fit. If you know video games, think of a Skyrim type yep. game. You don't have to. There is a main quest, but you can jump around and go to all different places yep. and choose where you want to go. World of Warcraft, North, East, those South, types of things, stuff different like that. cities. Yeah. Yep. Pick different quests, whatever. Yep. And so he said he didn't really have you know any sort of issue in the first one because it was pretty scripted out but the issue started in session two where it started out by giving his characters some pretty blatant hooks and within a within a sandbox campaign you're gonna give your characters some pretty blatant hooks like a man walks up to you and he <laughs> asks you to do something you know like that could be a very blatant hook or it could be something totally different than that but he says he gave them some pl- pretty blatant hooks which of course they ignored you know mm-hmm. like they didn't want to be led by the hand which is what they said but when he also he wasn't going to lead them by the hand gave them some opportunities to role play they didn't do anything with them. And they were left in this sort of situation where it's like, what do we do? I don't know what we do. Like, They're just kind the, of in you la-la hear the land. Like, yeah, yeah. In the background. And so he eventually said, after a few minutes of awkwardly staring at each other, I eventually lead them by the hand into an adventure. And he said, since then, all of their sessions have been basically around that issue. People don't want to take hold of the blatant hooks. They don't want to really do anything. And he's just kind of left with, what am I supposed to do? Like, I. What do I do as a DM in this situation? He's a veteran DM of, I think he said, 15 years. And also, the players are also veteran players of D&D. And so this he is said, such a hard thing to deal with because, yeah, like, I've done sandboxes before, and I still prepare, but this, the, the email makes it sound like if he gives them a something that he's planned out, like, and he presents that as a, a quest that they could go on, like, they don't want that. They yeah. don't want the one that he's planned for. So, it's like... It's and then they a, wait for so another one. So, does he not plan anything and come to the table completely unprepared? Like, is that what they are looking for? That was really difficult to deal with as a DM. And, you know what? And that's that's what it, that's what it almost does sound like. But it sounds like the biggest problem is that he's okay with them, like, not going along with what he's planned. But then he gives them the chance to come up with ideas to go off by themselves, and they just stare at them. Yeah, they're like, I don't know what to do. I'm not exactly sure what to do in this situation. And so uh, we responded back to him, but we'll just we'll just talk about what we kind of said to him. So, Mitch, if you had anything you wanted to say to him, yeah, what would you say? I mean, I've dealt with this before, and really, Jared, you and me were talking about this, and honestly, one piece of advice that I guess we would say is... Jared, you were just like, just don't lead them. <laughs> don't lead them by the hand. Let If they're going to just stare at you awkwardly waiting for you to act and then refuse to respond to what you're doing, 
Let them stare at you. Let them learn the hard way. It's tough love. It's the same thing I do with my four-year-old. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it depends on the group. In the group that he's explaining, uh, it sounds like it's a group that will be upset with him if he leads them by the hand. So, don't. <laughs> yeah. Let them, let them struggle. Let them tough it out. If that's what they're asking for, give them what they want. We're not saying every DM playing a sandbox campaign shouldn't help their players figure things out. Especially, Chris, you brought up like new players. Yeah, the reality is, is, is yeah. new new players who have never played D&D, role-playing is going to be a weird thing for yeah. them. Uh, they're not going to exactly know what to do. And so you may have to teach and coax people in a certain direction to help them get a better understanding of what it is to actually role-play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, remember my, I remember my first moments of playing ever, and I just sat there thinking... Am I really just allowed to say and do anything I want? <laughs> like, what are my... I need a list of options. Yeah. Uh, because I really thought everybody knew the options and I just didn't. It's a diff- D&D is a very different game than any other game besides other role-playing games. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think another thing I would add to the the idea of being in a sandbox campaign, something that you could give your characters to do would be help them to, to come up with some sort of backstory that's going to drive them... I mean, if you're playing in one country within your world, kind of like what we're doing in your campaign, Mitch... We all came up with some sort of backstory. Like, my character wanted to go to the country next door, like, because his brother and him wanted to always travel there. Giving them some sort of incentive to role play by coming up with a sweet backstory for them. Somebody wants this treasure that they've heard about in the bottom of this cave somewhere. That's going to drive them to be like, I want to find that cave, wherever that is. And so, giving them, giving them opportunities to role play by helping them come up with stories can be something in a sandbox campaign that'll lead to actual role-playing. Yeah, I think that in the sense of giving them hooks and adventure hooks, the ones they're going to want to bite are the ones that their characters specifically find interest in. So find out who their players, who the players' characters are, what their interests are, and try and give them adventures like that, that interest them i think every character during character creation and if it's done later great but every character should have uh, one or two things they're afraid of one or two things they want to do ambitions goals one or two uh, ideological things that really drive them as a character and from that just knowing those things even without a backstory as the dm you can create situations where they want to respond instead of just there's this damsel in distress that you heard about from the barkeep uh things that they really are interested in and they told you are interested in are the things you should focus on. Yeah, I would almost say in a sandbox campaign, your character should have a backstory mm-hmm. because you're going to need it more than in a pre-planned campaign that you are like, we're going from point A to point B from beginning to end. We know where we're going to go. Sandbox campaigns, backstories are going to help out a ton in this area. And bring them into the current story. If there's a villain from uh, one of the character's backgrounds that like maybe killed his parents or something like that, have them catch wind of this villain. Like, yeah. they, that villain has been spotted the area. I I don't see a player ever being like, oh, the guy who killed my parents? Nah, I'd rather go nah, I don't. Uh, I don't want to pick up that plot <laughs> hook. Uh, didn't you say there was a bar in the area that had, like, an infestation of rats? I want to go clear yeah, that out. Right, right. <laughs> I think another important thing that you can do is really just, with your player, sit down and have an honest conversation. Yeah. Uh, let them know the same things that you've told us in the email, what you're struggling with, uh, and even sit them down. You might have a situation where one or two people are really vocal about not wanting to be led by the hand, but the other two people are just kind of nodding and saying, yeah, I'll go along with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, take a secret hidden vote and see how people lie and try and find a balance with that. But really just be honest and let them know that you need help from them to make it a good experience for everybody. You can also, just another idea, is drop adventures into their lap that isn't really leading them by the hand on, here's what you have to do, 
but drop something into their lap that they can't ignore. Jared, you said, if they're supposed to go and save people from an earthquake over here, you know what? They won't respond to that. Have the earthquake happen right underneath their feet in that city and just have it happen and see what they do with it. Like, just explain the situation. You are the DM. They're telling you not to create story. That's stupid. That's your that's your job. That's your role to play. So create story and just give it as a, this is what's happening, not a guy coming and being like, I need you to go do this, but just explain something that happens. Have thieves steal something from the party. Have one of the characters get kidnapped or at yeah. NPC have, they fall in love with get kidnapped. Have a doppelganger stalk your group for a while and take over the yeah. role of, a, of one of the characters. Yep. And let and let that player know secretly you're a doppelganger pretending to be your character. Mm-hmm. I think of the movie At World's End when they <laughs> when they do that with the have you seen that movie? I don't think At so. World's End. Where they, they're going on like this pub crawl and like the city is oh slowly gosh, taken over by the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. so good. Yeah. <laughs> You guys didn't know it was called At World's End? I was thinking I of did, a different but like, movie. Uh, you say that title, and I'm thinking, like, sci-fi. It is sci-fi, yeah, but, like, yeah. sci-fi series. Like, I love those guys, uh, but Simon Pegg and all that. But, yeah, I forgot about the Yeah, name that's one thing that happens movie. in that type of thing is, like, one of the guys, like, he finally gets coaxed away from the group, and he turns yeah. into one of the blue alien mm-hmm. people, and he, he becomes a doppelganger, and he's like, Come with us. You know you want to be part <laughs> one of us. One of us. Yeah, one of us. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that's a good way to not lead them by the hand. And if 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 that's the issue that they have is every time you come up with something in your story and they're just like, ah, oh, we don't want to do what you want us to do. Like, that's an issue in itself. And like Jared said, you need to have a conversation with uh, whether, hopefully that's not your whole group. Maybe it's just one player. But sometimes you need to have a serious conversation with people and be like, listen, I'm doing this work. I'm putting a lot of effort into this, but I'm struggling with your reactions to what I'm doing, and we need to fix this. We need to work this out. Because D&D shouldn't be a struggle. It should be a fun time right. with your friends. Yeah. Like, that's really what it should be. Yep. So, yeah, that's that's the advice that we have for you, DM Brandon. Uh, we hope that that helps you or uh, helps any of our listeners who have dealt with this or maybe are dealing with this right now. But with that, that is all that we have for you on this episode. Chris, why don't you tell them where they can get into contact with us if they have questions like DM Brandon, where can they write us? Yep, yeah, you can write to us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. If you have longer questions, uh, you you can send them there. We will more than, we will gladly read through all of them. And, and respond to you as quickly as we can with the answers. So dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can also, if you would be so kind, go to iTunes and, and leave us a five-star review. Uh, write a little comment on there. We love reading those. They, they warm our hearts every time we read them because we realize how much this community means to us and we really, really love interacting with you guys. You can also find us on Stitcher. We've been having some activity on there too. Yeah, and we'll give you a shout out if you give us a five-star review on iTunes. And Jared, what will happen if they don't give us a five-star review? Oh, if nobody leaves any reviews, then Mitch will be sad. Okay, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to see that. Will I just be indifferent? Yeah, you'll be indifferent. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Mitch will be sad. I will have to come and replace Mitch because he'll be so distraught and nobody wants that. We'll record it in his apartment still. <laughs> nobody wants that. Nobody it wants, would be flawful. Nobody wants sad Mitch. <laughs> I got lots of weird mannerisms. I really hope our, after this episode posts, that there are like thousands of... Either, either nobody ever posts one again or there's thousands of... Hashtag, like, hashtag, no Jared, no Jared! Hashtag mannerism. Oh, God. Man, oh, gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, you can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMs block. You can also like our Facebook page. Both of those places you can follow or like to get updates on our podcasts to get links to articles that we find interesting. Memes, all that type memes, of stuff. Memes, all that great goodness. So, but that is all that we have for this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the players at the table. Thank you, and have a great day, afternoon, or night. Whenever you decide to listen to this. <laughs> Bye-bye. Keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye. One of the most important. <laughs> <laughs>